Welcome to The Common Rounds. Medical education for medical students by medical students. In our previous episode, we covered inputs and outputs from the basal ganglia, but now we want to move on to another important brain region, which is really essential for movement as well, Mm -hmm. and that's the cerebellum, Andy. Before we go into some of the pathways and some of the anatomical structures and things like that, Mm. what does the cerebellum do? The cerebellum has three major functions. One is to maintain or control the coordination of movement. Another one is to maintain an upright posture. And it also monitors and maintains your muscle tones as well. So three main functions. Um, One good way to think about it is with regards to what the cerebellum does, is it kind of compares what you think you're going to do, so from the motor cortex, and then it receives input from what you're actually doing, and then that fine-tunes that movement again to correct that movement. Mm. Yeah. That's a great way of putting it, actually. Yeah. So the way I remember it is just making all your movements much more elegant, less sort of, and more accurate as well. So if you're yes. picking up something with your fingers, mm. you can really hone in that that motion. Whereas if you're just getting this raw input from the cortical um, spinal pathways, it might not be as as um, as smooth. For example. Yeah. And we'll talk about some of the pathologies, and this is demonstrated in, in some of the pathologies as well. Yeah. Which hopefully we'll talk about in the next few episodes. Mm. So let's go into the anatomical structure. Yeah. And so like the cerebral cortex. Cortex, mm-hmm. so the big, you know, the main part of the brain. There are also a number of regions within this as well. But before we talk about that, where is the cerebellum located, and what's it attached to? Mm-hmm. So the cerebellum is attached onto the pons as well as the rostral part of the medulla. It is connected by three distinct bridges or peduncles. Yeah, and uh, we can talk about what they're, they're called later yeah. on. But sure. Yeah, they're located behind the brainstem. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of some of the, the cortex and some of the structures, there's mm-hmm. some important fissures that then result in the okay. key cortex that we'll, we'll describe in this episode. Yeah. So there's the primary fissure, mm-hmm. which divides the cerebellum into the anterior and posterior lobe. Yeah. But also there's a posterolateral um, fissure as well, which divides the... Um, um, which I think divides the, the posterior lobe, if I'm not mistaken. So then that leads to the generation of the floco nodular lobe. Okay. So I think it's best for you guys to have a look at some anatomy textbooks to get your mm. head around the structure. Yep. But we need to mention, because a lot of these lobes have specific functions, because uh, the cerebellum is somatotopically organized as well. Mm. So just like the primary motor cortex, different parts of the cerebellum refer to different parts of the function, yeah. functional control. Body, so yeah. You kind of mm. mentioned about some bridges. So tell yep. me about the bridges and okay. what do they do? And it's very easy to remember the names as well so you've got a superior cerebellar peduncle you've got a middle cerebellar peduncle and an inferior cerebellar peduncle so yeah. these are the three bridges and their names the superior cerebral peduncle is located most um, superiorly of the three and think of them as they're the major output pathways where most of the information that's processed will co- go out of the superior peduncle into yeah. the brain okay. um, whereas the middle and inferior are the the pathways where the information re- received no, that, that goes towards the cerebellum, go into the cerebellum. So they're sort of the input pathways, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, as we mentioned before, the cerebellum, because of those fissures, is divided into a number of lobes. Yeah. And each of those lobes communicates to a particular nuclei as well. Mm-hmm. So let's quickly talk about some of the, um, the nuclei. So you have the vermis and the floccular nodular lobe, mm-hmm. and their function is important for sort of the... Um, so the vermis is important for the proximal and trunk muscle movements yeah. and the floccular nodular is important for vestibular ocular movement so you can see how important these structures are mm. they influence a lot more pathways than the basal ganglia and that's one of the key mm. distinctions that because yeah that that yeah, as you're saying with the proximal trunk control and the vestibular ocular control that would be balance and posture exactly yeah. yep mm. and you have the intermediate part okay. Yeah. So that's where the intermediate lobe is located, and that's more important for the distal muscle movements. Mm. And finally, the lateral cerebral, um, cere- cere- I always get it mixed up, cerebral 
Yeah. Cerebella? Yeah. Cerebella cortex. <laughs> the two confuse me. Yeah. Is more important for receiving and processing information and inputs. Mm. Now, well, I've already alluded to it though, Andy. There are some nuclei that these lobes communicate to as well. Do you yeah. want to mention? And there's a mnemonic, isn't there, that yes. to help you memorize? So it's important to know, understand that the cerebellum was split into the three particular lobes. The, mm-hmm. In the middle, you've got the vermis. On the middle part, you've got the intermediate part. And on the sides, you've got the lateral part. Yeah. And you've got each particular lobe has its distinct nucleus um they're respectively they're called the um dentate nucleus emboliform nucleus globus nucleus and the vestigial nucleus yeah and the mnemonic as you mentioned yeah uh, what was that Uh, i think it's don't eat greasy food so d for dentate and this is from lateral to medial so Mm. d dentate is more lateral Mm -hmm. e for um emboliform g for uh, is a gl- uh, globus, globus yeah. and um, vestigial as well. Yeah. Um, so from lateral to medial, mm-hmm. don't eat greasy food. Okay. And so the dentate corresponds, luckily, to the lateral lobe. The emboliform and globus nuclei, if you can't remember the two, just remember them as interposed nuclei. Mm-hmm. And yep. interposed it correlates to the intermediate part. Yeah. And then finally, the vestigial nuclei receives input from the vermis sections and then they they also um yeah so so that's the four nuclei exactly and i think um follicular nodular lobe is very unique as we mentioned it's important for balance yeah. and so guess what mm. <clears throat> it communicates to the vestibular nuclei and vestibular nuclei is important for balance so there are some logic behind this <clears throat> so just remember the um uh, the mnemonic and it refers to lateral to medial so don't eat greasy food okay all right cool. and it's probably good lifestyle advice as well <laughs> um now we can't it would be remiss of us not to talk about the microcircuitry because that's really, it's very complicated, but it's also really important about mm. how these things communicate with one another. Yeah. Is it true that there are three layers as opposed to six layers like in the cort- neocortex? Yeah. So I believe like so this, you could probably say that the cerebellum is an older form of, um, mm. of the brain. So it has only three layers. And the three layers respectively are from outer to inside is the molecular layer, the Purkinje layer, and the granule, uh, granular layer. Yeah, granular cell layer. Yeah, that's Gran- right. Yeah. Granular cell layer. And it, the names kind of tell you what you might find there. So you might find some Purkinje cells within in the Purkinje layer. You might find some granular cells within in the granular layer. The molecular layer is really interesting because mm. it, to me it seems like there's a lot of axons more. You know, and granular uh, the molecular layer is the most superficial. So there are a lot of axons that travel there. Mm. We'll talk about that in a moment. But let's talk about some inputs that go into the cerebellum that communicate with the microcircuitry. Okay. What are they? So the two main inputs would be um, the mossy fibers as well as climbing fibers. Mm-hmm. Of all the regions that send input into the... Um, so the, the way to remember what regions um, contains what neurons that send them into the, yep. the brain, you just need to know the exception and then you'll know the rest. Yep. The exception is that from the inferior olivary nucleus that sends climbing fibers into the brain, then once you know that, Every other region, every other nucleus that sends information to the brain would be sending mossy fibers. Exactly. Yeah, that's a great way of putting yep. it. Mm. So mossy fiber synapse on the granular cell layers and the granular cells um, axons mm. project into the um, the molecular layer and they sort of bifurcate. So you have these parallel axons mm. that travel by each other. Yep. They then go back into the Purkinje layer and yep. have an excitatory effect. So they excite the Purkinje cells. Mm. What's interesting is that Purkinje cells are actually inhibitory. So they're out, all their output is inhibitory mm. unless... 
and essentially all outputs from the cerebellum are inhibitory mm-hmm. unless you know you're uh, talking about a non-picking G pathway. Yeah. But you kind of alluded to it already though, Andy, you know, where what are the climbing fibers? So that's sort of the exception you mentioned before. Where do they come from? So they came from the inferior olivary nucleus. Yep. And they I think uh, contralateral as well. They're right? a contralateral, yes. Yep. So that's that's another uh, information that you can try and retain. Um, and they have excitatory synapses that um, that wrap around the Purkinje cell yep, and they that's stimulate right. the Purkinje cell. Exactly. Mm. Um, and so if you st- stimulate the Purkinje cells, the overall outcome is inhibitory because yep. the Purkinje cells are inhibitory. Mm. But, you know, it's not just like there's a lot of checks and balances within the uh, microcircuitry as well. So you guys might come across two key cells, basket cells mm-hmm. and stellate cells. Okay. Basket cells and stellate cells are stimulated, excited by granule, um, granule cells, but they have an inhibitory effect on picking G cells, for example. They're quite powerful inhibitory effects. Okay. What about the Golgi cells? So what, what role do they play? I think they kind of, they receive input from the granule cells and then they provide inhibition of the same granule cells as well. Mm. So it kind of is a feedback and I think it had something to do with like reducing the amount of uh, signal propagation. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't quite I think it's modulating that. excessive excitation from the granule because they, you mm-hmm. know, they get excited by the granule cells and then inhibit those granule yep. cells that are excited. So sort of keeping the system in balance to some extent. Okay. So yeah, this is um, the microcircuitry in a nutshell. So there are three key layers that you guys need to be familiar with. Yeah. Um, know that every, um, uh, most inputs are by the mossy fibers with the exception of climbing fibers, which just come from the inferior olive. Yeah. Yep. Um, and all outputs from the cerebellum mm. inhibitory, but all inputs are as a whole excitatory. Can mm. you just remind our audience before we wrap up what those nucleuses were? I think that's really important. Yeah. So the nuclei would be uh, the dentate, the emboliform, the... Uh, Festigial? No, G. G's uh, globiform, glo- yes. And then that's uh, then the vestigial. Exactly. But yeah, um, I think another thing I wanted to kind of impart was with the microcirculatory, it, it was what you said was, was key, wasn't it? So yep. everything that comes in is excitatory and everything that goes out is inhibitory. And if you have trouble remembering that, just think about what that necessarily means. Mm-hmm. It means that everything that comes in all the feedback so anything that comes in is feedback essentially from your limbs and what it does is this whole thing is trying to teach your body what is doing it right and if the input is excitatory all it needs to do is pick up what's doing it wrong and then send an inhibitory signal to oh, yeah. it yeah. to shut correct. it off. Yeah, to correct exactly. that move. And all you yeah. need to do is just to shut wrong movements off and that's what it does. That's a really good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah that's great. Mm. So that's it for this episode. We're going to dwell more and more into the structure of the cerebellum by focusing on some of the cerebellar output pathways and in a future episode we'll talk about the input pathways as well. Yeah. The next episode is really important, guys. So um, we hope you can join us to explore the cerebellum in a little bit more detail. Thanks for your time and we'll hope to see you next uh, in our next episode. See you next time. Our episode today was put together by our executive producer Gautam and our co-editor Cindy. For notes, elective experiences, and much more study resources, visit our website on thecommonrounds.wordpress.com or visit us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. If you like our episodes, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. It means a lot to us. You've been listening to The Common Rounds. I'm Hamid. And I'm Andy. And we'll see you next time. See you next time.